0: Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're talking with Laura McInturf, who is an executive coach, and she's going to be talking with us about listening and why better listening matters. Laura is an executive coach, professionally trained at a prestigious academy. She's a licensed attorney in Ohio. And also admitted but non-practicing as solicitor in England and Wales. She's worked at major law firms in the U.S. and Germany. And you have an extensive background here, Laura, in terms of investment management with private equity and funds. And impressively, you have an accounting and finance and uh, undergraduate degree and a master of professional accountancy yeah. with a taxation specialty. I'm keeling over. This would not be for me <laughs> at all. A JD <laughs> and a master of laws in law and finance. Wow. Very impressive. And I understand you have moved to Germany and you're in Stuttgart, Germany with your multinational family at this point. Yes. We also see that you've been living and working in four different places, the U.S., Germany, Canada, and China. So this is an amazing background that you bring to your coaching clients and you've developed a virtual coaching practice out of Germany at the moment. Yes. So what I'd like to do just before we begin our topic, Laura, is talk a little bit about this amazing background you have and yet you ended up leaving law. You quit big law. So can you tell us a little bit about what went into that decision
1: and why you walked away? Sure. I think my experience mirrors quite a number of other people who leave working at law firms. My experience in particular, though, and I mentioned this on my website because I feel like it's important in terms of relating to other people and, and, and what it's like in, in the beginning being a new lawyer. For me, though, the reason I walked away is because my list of, of limitations about how I was feeling working as a lawyer in big law. The list was so long that I just finally said, I can't, I can't handle it. What was on your list? It's long. I will read it to you. (laughs) Stress. Some of the work was boring. Um, I was a perfectionist. I had a fear of failure. I had the inability to say no. I didn't have any work-life balance. I had a lot of pressure to put in hours. My uh, expectations for myself and from other people felt unrealistic. The workload was overwhelming. I didn't have any more passion for the law. You see the list is just going and going. I doubted my accomplishments. I felt like uh, my leadership abilities weren't as great as they could be. I was afraid to lose the prestige. I mean, that's not even the whole list. But you can see that when you consider all of that, for me, I didn't see another way to handle it other than to quit. I can completely
0: understand that. That's a a very overwhelming list. But I bet a lot of people that are listening can they can see that list for themselves
1: yeah we we all have probably at least one of the things stress is is you know pretty common one Huge. um yeah fears of failure fears of making a mistake these are all very common ones and and for me i didn't have any resources to to really turn to 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 look at these for myself and why these thoughts and feelings were limiting me and so for me i took i wasn't an easy decision but you know, that was the choice was to walk away. What, what do you mean when you say you didn't have any resources? What, what would have
0: helped you at that point?
1: Well, I mean, I can say that now I'm a coach, so I can see that coaching would have really helped me work through why I had these thoughts about myself as a professional and also about the profession. And so basically, this is how I ended up becoming a coach is I went back to these things and addressed them for myself. Because it it also meant something for me just generally as a human being, if all of these things sit with me, how was I going to do anything else? That's an incredible point
0: because I think when I talk to people that are considering leaving law, I don't know if that point is being addressed. And if you don't Mm -hmm. address these reasons why you're leaving law, how are you going to succeed in the next part of your life, the next choice? So I think that's incredibly important. So you went back and you dealt with those issues? Yes, how
1: did you do it? I ended up having a, a series of coaches who really were there for me so that I could change my own life, which is basically what coaching is. It's activating your own resources, but you do it together with somebody who who's trained to listen and ask good questions and and be there for you so that you can take the the steps that you need, whether it's emotionally or 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 practically or whatever, in order to move forward. So I also discovered in that I had some other fears, like being in social media, <laughs> that I had to work, work through. But you know, that's life. I mean, nobody's perfect, so we, we all have our things. And to, to spend time on them really, really can make a difference in, in terms of your personal progress, as well as your professional progress. It, it's, you know, the whole human being that matters. When you were saying that you
0: went to somebody and there was listening involved, you yourself then developed the inner advocate. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be?
1: Yeah. So in the whole process of, of being coached back into what am I going to do with my, my life, I had to take a good look at what it was for me to be a lawyer, what, it, what the legal profession was, what it had meant to me. Did I still want it to be a part of my life? And I figured out that I did. And so I I took a good look at why I left the profession. And if I wanted to come back, how would I do it? And for me, now I'm a service provider for lawyers. So I still get to be a part of the profession. I'm just not practicing law, but I understand it. And so this is what makes me relatable to working with lawyers is I've been there. I know what you're going through. It's just now what do you want to do, whether it's in the legal profession or not. Or in my case, sort of a mix, right? I'm, I'm still in the profession, just not practicing. It's sort of a, a reflective slash, what am I going to do in the future? Now it seems obvious. I wasn't sure about that maybe 10 years ago, but now it's, it's obvious that this is what I bring, is helping a legal professional look at where they are, where they want to be, and then bridging that gap.
0: Now delving into today's topic about listening, I understand that uh, the inner advocate has its own, you've developed your own methodology in terms of listening, and let's just talk about why listening matters. Like, we all think we listen, so what are we doing wrong?
1: So, uh, what we're doing wrong. So, well, first let's start with what lawyers do great, is we love to talk. We explain the law, we negotiate, we persuade, we argue, we analyze, we, we draw conclusions, we give advice, but we also listen. Um, but how well do we listen? So the, the question is, what do we do when we're not listening well? Classic points are we interrupt, we finish each other's sentences. Oh, no. <laughs> Beginning to get a little tense here. <laughs> Right. You know, just facing the reality of how we all are, really. We are busy in our mind planning the next thing that we're going to say. We'll look at the speaker, but we're distracted. We're distracted by what's going on in our mind, or maybe even kind of looking past the speaker or looking at features of the speaker. And then there's just the, the plain old, we're just ignoring. We're not even pretending to listen. We're just sitting there, but we're off in space and it's obvious that we're not listening. So those are the kinds of things that are, that are what we all do. So one point to add to that is, is why is it like that? What brings us to sort of not listening effectively? And there was a study done, I mentioned that I wasn't gonna say studies in, in this, but I, I wanna bring this up. They did a, a study on the average rate of speech for an American who's speaking English. The, the average rate is 125 words per minute, but the human brain can process about 800 words per minute. So when we listen to someone speak, They are (laughs) they are slow. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So what do we do with the rest of that capacity? I have a technique that I use that I call at the highest level. It's active listening. It's using your capacity to, to take in the words, but also to take in the complete message of the person as well as consider what's going on inside of you. And sort of that helps to fill some of the time between how many words you can take in versus your capacity. So it's, it's really about active listening.
0: So you're expanding your entire environment into the listening process.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm, so, I'm quite uh, curious
0: about this because I would really like to know more about the emotional component. So let's just work through this and okay. tell me a bit more about it.
1: So the sort of five different stages that I consider, especially as a, co- as a trained coach, you know, coaches are are trained to listen at a different level. So these are the things that I use in coaching but then you can use personally for your professional world as well as your is your private life. The five points are echoing, which is basically repeating back the keywords, so some people call that mirroring. The second one is summarizing, so that's obvious, you just a concise summary of the message, the emotions. So what are the emotions that you perceive from the speaker? The whole, which is the the nonverbal cues that the speaker gives off. And then you, your part in sitting there and listening. So it's five echoing, summarizing, emotions, the whole, and you. So let's work through those. Okay. So I have a hypothetical. Can we start with that?
0: Wonderful. I'd love to hear that because I always think that really brings it home about
1: how we use this. Okay. So I'm at work at my law firm. I'm an intellectual property lawyer. And I get a random call from a client who I had just completed some trademark filings. This is one of my favorite clients. I love talking with them on the phone and I pick up, but immediately sense something is off, the client has called because he's now worried that his contract at, as a major supplier is at risk of cancellation due to a big delivery error to his main customer. He's talking fast and he's in panic mode. He says that his main customer is thinking about canceling the whole contract. This contract is the biggest part of your client's business. In your mind, you immediately think, I never worked on that contract. I don't even advise on supplier contracts. I'm an intellectual property lawyer. Like, what the heck is he even talking about? He's got all these technical words that he starts throwing around. I don't know what's going on here. But the client called me because I was the last one in the firm who he he worked with. So he trusts me. So what do I do? Right. What do you do? What do you do? Right. I can tell you what I did as a starting lawyer, panic and just sit there like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I want to hang on somebody up. else that knows more about this than me. Right. How fast can I transfer this call? Okay. So, but let's use the technique because, okay, we're in the situation. So how can we make the most of this? So first echoing, what are the key words that he keeps repeating and just repeat those back to him? So over and over again, the client said, contract, main customer, cancel. And really, when you do that for somebody, when you're listening to them and you just pick the really big, important words, they really do feel heard. It's amazing how that skill just in and of itself is great in your relationship and talking with somebody else.
0: So do you say this one word at a time? Like you just say contract or you put it in in a sentence? How do you do it?
1: You can do it either way. You can say it as he says it. So it's like, okay, contract, okay, cancel, okay, customer, important. I mean, you can say it with them, or you can just wait to the end. These are the words I heard you say. If you use the, the his words or her words, whoever you're speaking with, the echo back will be like, okay, a bit of a relief. So then that leads into the second point. Once the person you're talking with has cleared the air, then you can summarize it. So even though you just echoed those words, you can then summarize what specifically is at issue. So I understand there's been a supply error and your main customer is threatening to cancel the contract with you. Do I have the essence of this? Either the per- person will feel heard or f- will feel misunderstood. And at that moment they could say, no, 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 no. That's not what was important. It's this. So it gives them a chance to like clarify it or even for you, okay, that person really felt heard and I've got, I got the issue. So you're on the second stage. Right, right. So those are the two sort of ways to go back. Yeah, that's the really active part with the person who's speaking. So now we go into the part where it's probably not always helpful to give this information back to the speaker. It depends on who you're talking with. I probably wouldn't say these things to a client. So for example, in this case, the client maybe sounded angry maybe sounded worried i would just take it on myself like okay this is sort of the emotional situation for that person because it it really colors the whole thing right whether whether this is urgent or whether okay this is just i'm reporting it or whatever so that's the emotional part the next part is about the whole person so uh, according to experts about 70 to 93% of what is communicated is not spoken In what way?
0: So what are we talking about there? The facial expressions, the body language?
1: Yes. Yes. Hand gestures, um, pace and tone of voice. So you can take a lot from a person and the situation by the nonverbal cues. There's also another
0: important one that maybe isn't always talked about, but that is people put emotion out into the room. So I think in, in Zoom, it's a little harder to pick it up. But like when you're in a room with a person, you can sense the tension. You can sense the happiness. You can sense yes. what's going on. That also
1: would play into, what would you say, yes. the, the whole? Yes. And I will add, so working on Zoom is interesting in this respect, because I think there is a belief among people that when you're on a video call that you can't cover all of these kinds of things. And with time and practice, I don't know how you feel in working in it, but I coach all the time virtually, and there is so much richness that still comes across the flat screen I mean, I can look at your face and I can see how my perception of of this conversation is and how you're sitting, the the angle, also what you chose to put behind you. I mean, there's a lot of information that you still get. And I also want to add this in this time of coronavirus where people are wearing masks out, especially in Germany, where I am, a lot of people are wearing masks. I was put off by that in the beginning because I felt like, how will anybody know what I'm Feeling. like what if I'm smiling I want them to see that I'm smiling but you know there's a lot of other parts of your body that convey friendliness or worry or whatever and the mask does cover some of it video is rich there is enough on there I think it's just a different
0: skill that we all have to learn so after you've looked at the whole what do you do next so
1: the last level is really you your part in the conversation and it's important because the speaker also takes messages from you so you have to know for yourself what is your response so like if you consider your heart when you when a, when a client calls in a panic what does that do to you do you are you surprised are you afraid is it confusing like you need to know your part of it because what will happen is the speaker will also take in that information and it will be a part of the relationship that you're having so not just your heart though what is in your mind right like oh i am not competent to do supplier contracts so this is not my level of expertise i have to ethically have to pass it on like all of these things are a part of this communication flow so it's important to know for yourself you know that you have a role to play in that and what's happening for you if you come back to the client with uh okay the client now knows that you're confused or frustrated or having an issue, the whole five of those. So it's the echoing, it's the summary, the emotions, the nonverbal and, or the whole person and you, all of those play into, into good listening. The you is, I think, a very important
0: thing because certain personality types deal better with conflict and deal better with this kind of stressful situation when somebody calls up. In that kind of emotional state, it's very difficult. I think running through these steps is very helpful to be able to take it down, the emotion that comes with it. I like mm-hmm. the fact that we we're able to echo back and summarize. In terms of the emotions that are being generated I'm wondering if we can also validate the person's emotions at that point right. to be able to say, you know, it sounds like you're telling me that the contract, you're facing this very big, stressful type of situation. And I see even though that it's very stressful for you, you are taking the time to tell me about it. And that takes resilience, determination, whatever you want to say, that
1: type of right. validation. Would you say that fits in there? Yes, absolutely. I think it it, it can depend on on the relationship that you have with the person in law in particular we don't tend to talk about feelings <laughs> which is uh, i so, think to our detriment quite frankly yes, But yes i agree with you so i think it depends a little bit when i use this on, this technique on my kids my children i definitely will point it out i i hear that you sound stressed or angry is that is that right and then they have a chance to say something back. But I, I don't mean to to belittle anybody by using my children as an example, but you have to know the person you're working with is this, you know, a relationship where you can point out this sound stressful or you sound worried or whatever. And do you
0: have any other examples? Because I think we all think we listen, but it definitely is a
1: skill that's a lot harder than it seems. Yeah. I mean, we can just use the example of when you meet a friend because- we we're talking about this as a professional skill, but it's really a life skill. I mean, you can you can put it into the context of really any situation where you're listening. And the classic one is, is a friend calls you because they're upset about something. They're not getting along with their friend or in the relationship or with a parent or whatever is going on and call you because they trust you and they just start going, right? They just sort of unload on the table, whether you're you know, on the phone or you're in person. And how do you handle, you know, somebody who's coming to you in, in a trusted situation? How do you be a good listener? And really you, I mean, my technique is to just allow the person to get it all out, is to wait until the end. But in the middle of it, when someone says, I'm so angry, oh, angry, mm-hmm. I'm so frustrated that this person doesn't listen and they're not, they don't care about me and, and I want to leave, you want to leave on and on and on. You can just echo and echo and echo. And then when they get done, usually people do take a breath depending on how they're they're doing is. And then you say, okay, I hear that you're really upset in this relationship. That's it. Don't even offer advice. Yeah, don't even offer advice. Don't add more detail to it. Just acknowledge what this. just summarize the whole thing. And that person will genuinely feel like, okay, you heard me.
0: Okay. But how do you deal with your emotions and the whole and
1: you in that situation? So let's just work through the other three parts. Right. Right. So the emotions is, it's the same, right? You identify what this person is feeling, what you think they're feeling and you, and and when you know the person so well, you offer it up. I, I hear that you're stressed and I hear that you're angry and you're frustrated and you're mad. Is that what you're feeling? you know, oftentimes labeling it and just setting it out there is, is incredibly helpful for people because we don't really do that enough, right? Back to the emotions point. And then the whole person, you know, when I get worked up, I start waving my arms around. I mean, I'm doing it now as you can see me, but nobody else can. I wave my arms around and I, and I just, like my whole body gets involved in the frantic, right? And just seeing that the person, okay, I know this person well. And when they get going with their arms, you know, this is a big topic. This is not right. your normal frustration phone call. This is, okay, we're at another level. So you can read all of these things and see in the person, okay, I know for myself, this phone call is incredibly important and it's different from the others. Now we're in a hypothetical. I'm just kind of making it up as we go. Then also for yourself, right? I mean, looking at your part in this, this is somebody you care about, someone who is called you and trusted you what's your part in that like what does it make you feel like to be the listener of this situation can you relate does right. it does it bring up another thought of your own about you know conflict that you have with a friend or a loved one or whatever and and what's your part in that because the, the person who's talking will, will feel it from you it, this is what's so amazing about us as humans is that the biological side of this is that we can sense so many things that aren't spoken. And we can use that information to our advantage because identifying it is one of the gifts of the brain, right? We're able to like, the brain can observe the brain. Use that to your advantage, even in your private life, because it will really enhance the relationships that you have with people from the listening side. So you're basically
0: taking in all the information to inform what you're going to be saying next to the person in order to keep the conversation going and to give the information or the wisdom that can change that conversation into one that's de-escalating the emotion for the person and also potentially moving it forward. Even if it isn't a, a situation where you're offering advice, but at least your, your listening skills have been such that the person really feels hurt. If we practice this, what can we expect? You've come up with this whole process. So tell us a bit about
1: that. Part of it is in coaching training a while back, I, I mean, I had never even thought about it honestly. I mean, I have never been trained to be a listener up to this point. There was never a skills class on this. I just was good at getting information in school, good at you know hearing what what my boss has told me to do and delivering and it just seemed like that was enough right and Then I discover um, through the the skills that you learn in coaching. Listening is such a critical skill in in coaching, but really it's just a critical skill everywhere. And when I started to figure out for myself, oh my goodness, I spend so much time in my mind pre-planning what I'm going to say that I don't ever hear anybody else. And there's, I think there's a famous quote, and this is ironic because I spent this whole time talking, but there's, there's a famous quote, I think it's by the Dalai Lama, you know, if something along the lines of, if you're busy talking, you're not busy learning using the skill of listening in order to enhance everybody's lives and, and, and especially your own. So what can be the result of this is when you're a better listener, you can really build more trust and loyalty and commitment between you and the person who's speaking with you. And it makes for better professional relationships. And it also makes for better personal relationships. And as, as if you go through the steps I gave you or, You know, just keep them in mind. With time and practice, it becomes a second nature. It it feels kind of junky when you're going through it in a list and and trying to remember what to do. But with practice, and and fortunately, we have every day of our lives to practice good listening. So with practice, you get better and you better and you start to see. Oh, okay, it really does bring a benefit when someone feels like they've been listened to, and it's the same for you when you feel listened to. So I think it's. It's a skill we can all improve on. And even if you're professionally trained like I am, it still takes work. It takes it from passive,
0: reactive to a very proactive yes. process. And it yes. keeps you in the moment. So when we're in the moment, yes. we're, we're forced to really listen. I was talking with somebody about with Zoom. It is a concentrated type of listening that you are doing. So I think that people end up being more tired after they've had to do Zoom calls because it's not the same as when you're in person. The other thing is you could potentially be looking at yourself, which is a distraction. So that takes you away from the listening process. But the listening itself is you are taking in those cues. So maybe it is a prelude to what you're talking about in terms of like getting our skills up to a higher level to, to do it. I want to thank you very much for coming on today, Laura. It's been very instructive and informative. Thanks for sharing the five steps to the inner advocate listening method, the echoing, summarizing, emotions, the whole, and you. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out HerLegalGlobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.